Amen. And um, definitely appreciate you uh, helping us reflect on the things that we need to be grateful for. Um, thank you so much for that. You know, in his book, Exodus and, Revol- and Revolution, uh, Michael Walser shares three lessons we can all learn, learn from, uh, that we can learn from about the Exodus event in the Old Testament. What the Exodus taught first is that wherever you live, it is probably Egypt. Second, that there is a better place, a world more attractive, a promised land. And third, that the way to the land is through the wilderness. In our troubles, in our bondage, in our sin, we have to hope that on the horizon is the promised land. You know, we sit here this morning, many of us, most of us, as redeemed people. The song says in our songbooks, I've been redeemed. By the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb filled with the Holy Ghost. I am. All my sins are washed away. I have been redeemed. You know, Abraham's children became a nation enslaved in Egypt. But God rescues them and calls them his own people. We must look to God as our rescuer and redeemer. Let's go to God in prayer. And as we pray this morning, what I want us to do is I want you to, the person next to you, the person in front of you, wherever they are, I want you to place your hand on their shoulder. And let us go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer, God. We are so grateful for your love, your grace, your mercy that helps us to be redeemed. Father, you have rescued us, God. You you play a significant role in our lives, Father, rescuing us, changing our entire life so that you may not be ignored. God, I pray that this morning we will give our whole hearts to you and your word. God, I pray that as we leave here, we will not just recognize that we are a rescued and redeemed people, but we will live as a rescued and redeemed people. That we will treat our brothers and sisters who we feel right now as a rescued and redeemed people. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, and your love. And it's through your son's name we pray. Amen. I have one point this morning.
That doesn't mean it's going to be short. But I have one point this morning, and it is that God is rescuer and redeemer. God is rescuer and redeemer. Let us turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 50, starting in verse 22. We're going to read from there. That is very small on the screen. So let us turn your Bibles to Genesis 50, starting in very verse 22. Um, I'll take full responsibility for that text being small. That is not Brian's fault, but we have our Bibles. Genesis 50, starting in verse 22. Says Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived a hundred and ten years. Man, I wish I could live that long. Well, I don't know. <laughs> and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also, the children of Machir's son of Manasseh were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up, take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110. And after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob. Each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, for they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies fight against us, and leave the country. So they put 
slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked, worked, um, worked them, multiplied and, 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 I'm sorry, and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So tragic what happened to the Israelites here. Right? Because this king, you know, Egypt was once a haven for God's people. It was once a haven for God's people. Joseph was second in command and his lineage found refuge and a home in Egypt. As we see in Genesis 50:22, but Joseph died and generations passed away. A king, a king came to power who did not know of Joseph. He had no idea of, of Joseph, what he had done, didn't really care. Only that these Hebrew people were multiplying in his kingdom. This Pharaoh enslaved the Hebrew people and made them build his cities. And God would save and call out Moses to bring redemption to God's people as we see in Exodus 2. And God brought a series of plagues. You know the story. He brought a series of plagues on Egypt to destroy Pharaoh and free Egypt. We teach this in Sunday school, right? In Kingdom Kids. We know what happened here. And this, in this set into motion, the nation promised to Abraham that would bless the world. Have you ever been in a situation you couldn't get out? Maybe you're claustrophobic, right? And you were locked in a closet or something and you just couldn't get out. You're just stuck. Or you had to give a presentation, right? That made you feel stuck on stage. Public speaking is not your thing. Maybe you had to preach. And public speaking is not your thing. Maybe you were asked to do a communion or a contribution and public speaking is not your thing. Or maybe you have had an addiction problem. Maybe you even entered into a contract, a binding agreement, and later thought, oh no, what have I done? And you felt stuck. Students, maybe you entered into a class and the drop date passed. And you're stuck for the rest of the semester. And you felt, oh 
know what have I done. And the professor, he just did not like this one. And you felt, oh no, what have I done? Teens, maybe you got into the wrong crowd and you felt trapped because you may be ridiculed if you decided to back out of the group. And you felt stuck. Maybe like this picture, this image, you're just stuck in the mud. And the wheels are spinning and the wheels are turning and you can't move. No matter what you do, you just can't move and you can't get out of it. You know, when Pharaoh increased the burden on the Israelites, Moses was as upset as the people were. But his response to the situation was more spiritual than theirs. He didn't go around blaming others. Instead, Moses went to God to express his anger and confusion. You know, sometimes what we do when we're stuck in our situations, we try to find someone to blame. Right? We're stuck in the mud, and we think, well, who put the mud there? Who rained, who caused it to rain right here when I'm driving? Who chose this class for me? Who put me in this group? Who caused this? Who locked me in the closet? It's always somebody else's fault, and we always want to blame someone else for why we are stuck. For why we feel the pressure against us. But Moses didn't blame anybody. Moses went to God to express his anger and his confusion Listen to what he says here. In Exodus 5:22, Moses returned to the Lord and says, "Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people. And you have not rescued your people at all. What can we gather from Moses' response here? It is wrong to blame others when things don't go your way. It is wrong to blame others when things go wrong. But we have this habit of seeking out somebody to blame. We got to do it. Because maybe it makes us feel better. But we got to find someone to blame. It can't be our responsibility. We got to find someone to blame. But also we find here in this passage that it's not wrong, however, to speak freely to our Lord. 
Now in the past, I've seen it expressed that it's not right to go to God in a certain way and to say this to God, say that to God. God wants us to speak freely. God wants us to express ourselves to him, to express our emotions to him. Guess what? Rather sometimes than to each other. He would rather you be upset with him and express that to him rather to, than blame each other. Because guess what? God can handle it. And he, can, he doesn't want you to, to, be, to be mean about it. He doesn't want disrespect. But he can handle you saying, God, why? Rather than blaming each other. Rather than not loving each other. In expressing his emotions, Moses showed that he was willing to be totally honest with himself and with God. Totally self-aware. Totally self-aware of who he was. He wasn't questioning whether or not God could rescue Israel. That's not what he was doing. It wasn't a matter of whether God could intercede and rescue Israel. His frustration and question was, why God have you not rescued them yet? What is the delay in rescuing Israel? You know, you and I feel this often, don't we? It's this frustration of why not yet? God, why haven't you done this yet? It's not, God, are you capable? It's why haven't you done it yet for me? This frustration should not suggest or lead to a lack of trust. But we can't help but be frustrated sometimes about why not yet. You know, Exodus, it shows us, it shows a God that can free a bound It can, God can free people who are bound, locked down. And so God gives Moses this answer in Exodus 6, 1 through 8. And he tells Moses to tell Israel in verse 6. He says, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to a land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. God redeems. God rescues. When our victories are easy, 
it is all too likely we will lose sight of God. Let me say that again. When our victories are easy for us, it is all too likely that we're going to lose sight of God, totally miss God. For us as human beings, we need some challenge for us to understand and to see God. But when all things are dark and appear to be hopeless, that we are about to give up, and then deliverance suddenly appears, we know what happened is from the Lord. That God is the rescuer and redeemer. Because we know it's impossible with just our strength to for it to happen. Things have happened in my life where I know, I am certain that it's God. I am certain that it just was not me. I've told you guys Travis's story. Where I'm certain it's not the doctors. Right? That it has to be God. If you search your life, you can find things where you know for sure that it was God. Often God delays deliverance. He delays rescue. Not because he wants us to go on suffering or feel the pain, but because he wants us to recognize his hand when it acts. He doesn't want you to feel pain or suffering, but he wants you to see that when he does something, it is clear that it's him doing it. That is very obvious that you don't miss it. That is crystal clear. But in the meantime, Psalm 27 verse 14. In the meantime, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. As we wait, we're waiting for God to move in our lives. Things are happening in your life. Yes, it's obvious, but wait for the Lord. Wait for his redemption. Wait for him to move in your life. Are you trusting God to move in your life? Are you trusting him to rescue? Man, these, these Israelites, they were there for a long time before Moses rescued them. But sometimes we don't want to wait. We want instant rescue or instant gratification in our lives. But how long are you willing to wait for the Lord? Why do we think we have to settle for the mediocre? And what is the mediocre? Everything else but God. We do that. We settle for what is mediocre all the time. 
You know, when a society enslaves a group of people, how do they become free? You know, over the last century, the main way that people be be became free from tyranny and tyrannical governments was through revolutions. And we see a glimpse of this kind of oppression, right, with the District 12 in the dystopian thriller, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire from 1213. Hey, 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 hey. Right? And I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler, but, you know, the, 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 the oppressive regime led by President Carl, uh, thank you, I was just going to say snow, but he made life miserable for the people of District 12. And the district eventually revolts and is destroyed by the end of the film. And it leads into, the next film leads into more of like District 13 and stuff like that. But their hopes of freedom could only come through their efforts of revolution. You know, in Exodus, we see that God is the one who brings freedom and justice. Not the efforts of the Israelites. Not the efforts of them revolting, but God. And so we might try to free ourselves and, and bring change in our lives through putting everything on our shoulders. Some of us in here, we have broader shoulders than others. Okay? But that's not going to help you. But God wants us to place faith in Him for freedom and not our own abilities. We need to place our faith in God, not in ourselves. We, we consistently try to put things on our own shoulders, and it does not work. Our shoulders are not as broad as God's shoulders. But we constantly try to put things on our own shoulders and try to go that route, and it doesn't work. And by the time we even get out of these doors, we're stressed, we're beat down, we're tired. On our way home, we have arguments in the cars with our spouse. We have an argument with our family member on the way home. Because where is our faith? It's not in God. We have to put our faith in God. Where the, where the small little things in our lives are not rattling our cages. Where we're not so bound by sin. Where we're not so shackled by sin. Where when we when we break these things, there is freedom. You guys know we just got a dog, right? We just got a puppy. He's four months old. Right? We're so excited about him. And so we're training him in the crate, right? And so every morning we hear the cries, the whimpers to get out of the, the crate. The poor thing has probably been holding it so all night, right? Then he just wants to get out of there. And when we open it, 
He is just running all over the place, so happy to be free, right? He's jumping all over me. I'm like, please don't pee on me. I know that you're excited, right? And we bring him outside, and the first thing he does is he pees, and he does number two, and he's running all over the place. He just wants to play for hours, and he's just super excited. He's like, freedom! Do you feel that way when the shackles come off? Do you feel like you could just run wild because you're just so happy when the shackles come off? Because so many of us are shackled by sin. And God is there to redeem us. God is there to free us. He's there to rescue us. But we don't go to him for that. We sit there shackled with a lack of faith day after day after day. And God is like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. Trust me. Trust me. It may not be immediate. It may not be right now. But he's saying, wait on the Lord. Don't settle for something mediocre. Just wait on the Lord. I'm here. I got you. Poor thing, he's in the he's in the crate. And I'm I'm there and I'm I'm waking up and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's six o'clock in the morning and I can hear him. And I'm thinking, just wait on me. Wait on wait on your father. We gotta wait on the Lord. And he's going to free us. He's going to come to our rescue. Where is our faith? You know, Exodus. Exodus establishes some important images of who God is. But even beyond the themes of, of the narrative, it stresses the importance of Remembering. God remembers his promise to Abraham. Abraham, And here's the cries of his descendants. The Israelites are to, to remember the God who brought them out of Egypt. Through the Red Sea. God wants to show his power so that we remember so that we remember our relationship with him. He wants to show you what he can do. Isn't that pretty awesome? We have a, a creator God who has all this power, mighty, almighty, and he's like, let me show you what I can do. He's like, just wait, let me show you what I can do. He's like, don't, don't put it all on your own shoulders. Just wait for me a second. Let me, let me show you what I can do. He's like, I want to show off to you. I want you to be excited about what I can do. I want, I want to work for you. I want to do this for you. I don't want you to feel like, man, that was awesome. I want you to be my cheerleader. Just wait a second. But at the first thing and first trouble that happens in our lives we try to handle it on our own with some kind of crazy idea. 
And God is like, what are you doing? Stop. Just wait. Just give me a chance. Exodus offers the greatest paradigms of redemption and the redemption events in the Bible prior to Jesus Christ's incarnation. And as such, it is profoundly good news to captives just like you and me. To those who labor in bondage to sin and misery, how does it feel when you're in bondage? Have you ever been on lockdown? Can you imagine being on lockdown, being uncomfortable, and you're trying to get out? There's this feeling of helplessness, this feeling of struggle. That's why when people are in sin, they say, I'm struggling. It's this feeling of struggle because you're trying to get out and you can't get out by yourself. That's why it's called bondage. You're, 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 there's bondage and you cannot move. You're struggling to get out. You're held captive by sin you're held captive by Satan, just like the Israelites were. And so in addition, Exodus and this whole thing of the good news that we see in Exodus, with them coming through the Red Sea, and the release of these captives, it shapes Christians continued understanding of and hope for redemption. We are redeemed. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb if you choose it. I pray that we will choose it. I pray that we will live like it. Let us take heart in the gospel message and look at Christ as rescuer and redeemer. And to God be the glory. Amen. Amen, amen. Can we give J.D. another hand? The God of these wants us to be free. At this time, um, I'm not going to add anything to that because that was that, that's all about my whole situation right now. So I always appreciate that. At this time, we're going to stand up.